praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, that's good. Um, it's good to see our, uh, our children get up and sing and worship the Lord. Uh, I believe God loves that. I truly do. Um, we're, if you're uh, visiting with us today, we're working our way through 1 Corinthians. Um, and so we're still in uh, 1 Corinthians and we'll probably be there quite a while. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we are this morning. And I, I think I can kind of quickly get our minds back to where we left off. But uh, first let's read our scripture passage this morning. It's kind of going back a little bit um, from, from um, over a couple of the scriptures that Brother Joel preached um, at, at last week. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 is where I felt like uh, uh, we, we could, could really make some work this morning. So it says, And I, brethren... Could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where envying and strife and divisions are among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us, God, today as we look into your word, God, help us to hear from you, Lord, to know, God, that you love us. But God, as a part of that love that you continue to try to chisel away at the hard edges, and you try to Work in us, God, through that sanctifying grace, God, to make us more like Christ. God, our heart has to want to be more like Him. So help our hearts this morning, God, to embrace the truth of Your Word this morning, to see it. Speak to us, God. If I fail to say the words that someone needs to hear, God, I know You can speak directly to their hearts, God. So God, we ask, Lord, now for the grace to stand. For the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the church at Corinth was, was loved by God. Amen. Amen. Even though they had the love of God and the Spirit of God, they had issues. Amen. Yep. Right? And they did have the love of God and the Spirit of God. Let me backtrack with you for a minute. I, I, I like to do this because I think it's a good reminder to make sure that we see the, the direction Paul is going, we saw in chapter 1 that, that, that Paul used terms like you are in Christ and you have been enriched in every way by Him. And that at the end of chapter 1 there, he talked about how God had called them into the fellowship of His Son. That's a, that's a, a, a wonderful verse that affirms their position in Christ. You have been called... In Christ, in the fellowship of His Son. That's where they were. In spite of their problems, they were in Christ. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so that's a comfort to us this morning because if you're here and born again today, you should take a lot of comfort in that right now 
No matter what happened throughout this week, no matter how short we feel like we came, and no doubt we did, we can take comfort knowing that our position in Christ is that we are loved and enriched by Him and cared for by Him. Not because of who you are, but because of who God has made you through Christ. All because of the work of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Those three are one. And then we go into chapter 2, and, and, and Joe worked us through parts of chapter 2, but, but if I had to summarize it, what I think Paul is trying to say to the church in chapter 2 is, is because you're children of God, because you have God's Spirit now, you have access to all the wisdom of God through the Spirit. Amen. You have access to that. It's been given to you. Listen, the, the unsaved man doesn't have access to that wisdom because the Bible says in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians that the spiritual things have to be spiritually discerned. And because they don't have the Spirit of God, they can't understand all the time what God is trying to say to His people. It takes the Spirit to interpret that into their hearts. And he was saying to them, you who are saved, you have the Spirit, so you have access to godly wisdom and understanding. And we could, we're not going to right now to turn there, but you can think about over in James when he says, if, it, brethren, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Right? He doesn't hold his wisdom back from us. We have all access to the wisdom of God. Because we have the Spirit of God. And in chapter 2 you see those words where he says, The Spirit of God searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Right? Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has in store for them. But it has been revealed to us by the Spirit. Right? We can have an understanding there. But in spite of the fact that they were in Christ, that they were loved by Christ, that they had the Spirit and had access to all this wisdom that God wanted to give to them, they were still having issues. Divisions. And as we go deeper into 1 Corinthians, you'll find out division wasn't the only sin. There was lots of them, amen? There was lots of things that Paul was going to have to work through and the Spirit was going to deal with them through his writing. So what we know so far from what we've read in 1 Corinthians is that they had been impacted by the world. They've been impacted. Listen, when I say the world, I don't mean the physical world. I mean the beliefs and the practices and the philosophies of the culture around them. When the Bible says love not the world, it's not saying don't go outside and love to look at the sky. It's saying don't go out and buy into the philosophies of the culture and the practices of the culture. That's the world that the Bible speaks about. And, and let me say this to clarify, right? I want to make sure that I'm always clear. The, the world, the culture was not the problem for the Corinthian church. Now you've got to understand this part because this is important. The world and the culture was not the problem. The world and the culture was the temptation. Yeah. 
It was that, but it was not the problem for the Christians in Corinth. The, 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 the problem for the Christians in Corinth is that they wouldn't let go of the world. They were their own problem. The culture wasn't the problem. It's the fact that they wouldn't let go of it that caused the problem. Now that's hard, but I believe it speaks to us exactly where we are today as Christians. Exactly where we are. We're living in a time where Christians are holding on to the culture more than they're holding on to Christ. And we're seeing, we're seeing Christians begin to, to, to fall into the world's belief system, into the world's way of thinking. And, and I can't make it more clear or emphatic how often the Bible says not to do that. I'm, I'll read you some scriptures. They're not on the screens, but just, just, just listen and, and hear the theme. In every epistle, you can find this theme. Come out from among them and be a separate people, says the Lord. Don't touch the unclean things and I will receive you. Come out from among whom? The world. Come out from among the world and its ways of thinking and its practices and its beliefs and its philosophies and its attitude. Come out of that. That was in Corinthians. We'll read it again later. But then you, 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 you come into uh, the book of First uh, John and you hear him say, Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then you could go to Romans, and in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. And then you could go to James, and he says, whoever tries to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And then you could go to Titus, and you could see he wrote to the, to the young pastor, he said, renounce worldly lust. And then you could go to Peter and you hear Peter, uh, the apostle, saying, listen, as exiles in this world, as being exiles from this world, abstain from this world's passions that wage war against your souls. And I could go on and on and on, but it's clear already. Amen? Yeah. It's clear already. God says to every Christian, let go of the world. Amen. Let, let go of its beliefs and its practices and its philosophies and its attitudes. Let them go. And I, I, don't, I don't want to be hard for the sake of being hard. I just came off a weekend of listening to Paul Washer preach. <laughs> so you won't get much mercy from me today. He had no mercy. He preached on pastors. So... I got beat up and now we're all going to share in it together. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. I don't have to ask you if you agree with those scriptures because I know that every single one of you would say you agree with them because they're in the Bible. So I'll ask the question that's more relevant. The real question. Are you obeying them or ignoring them? That, that's the real question. You, you say, Bill, I don't even know how to obey that. How do you let go of the world? 
Well, instead of giving you three points on how to let go of the world, let me just ask you the questions that I need to ask this morning. What are you doing to try to figure it out? Are you waiting on someone to tell you or are you digging in? Right? Are you digging down deep? Listen, when the boys were little, they would come home and, and, and they would say, I need help with my homework. And that interpreted in their language meant, I need you to give me the answer to this. <laughs> right? They didn't want to learn how to do it. Shasta would sit down patiently and she would, especially math. I'm not doing math. I, I, I can't help you there. I don't know it. But Shasta does. And Shasta would say, well, let me show you how to work through it. And she'd get out the scratch paper and she'd start working through this big, long problem. And I could see their eyes glossing over and they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to know how to do the problem when it was done. They just wanted to know the answer. But they weren't going to learn how to do it. If they, didn't, if they didn't go through the process. Amen? That's what we want, right? That's the old saying, uh, give a man to fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and he can eat the rest of his life. Right? And so I'm asking you this morning, rather than giving you the fish and saying, okay, here's the three simple steps to let go of the world. Number one, I don't know three simple steps to let go of the world. Number two, even if I did today, I challenge you to go find them yourself. Try to find out how much study and prayer are you putting into this. See, that's an action that we can take from this passage of Scripture. We should be able to read it and say, in what areas, when Paul says, I came to you, I want to speak to you as mature Christians, but I'm having to speak to you like you're babes in Christ. I'm having to keep things simple and, 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 and because of the fact that you're still so worldly. And, and, and that should make us say, in what areas do I still act worldly? Right? As if Paul had wrote, read it as if Paul had wrote it to you. Right? And say, where, do, where am I acting worldly? What parts of my life do I behave? Listen, I'm not insulting unbelievers, but they don't have the Spirit guiding them the way that we're supposed to have. So you've got to ask yourself, in what ways do I still act like an unbeliever? In what ways do I still act like the world? In what ways does my attitude reflect my flesh over my spirit? That's what was happening in Corinth. They were not acting the way Christians were supposed to act. And they had been taught how to act. Paul and Apollos had labored. Listen, Paul pastored the Corinthian church for a year and a half. He was their pastor. He's taught, the Bible says he taught them daily. Was teaching for a year and a half. Guys, Paul penned the majority of the New Testament. I don't think he was a bad teacher. They, they, they heard, then, then Apollos was their pastor after Paul left to go start the next church. And you know what the Bible says about Apollos? Let me show you. Acts chapter 18. It'll come up on the screen. You can turn there. But I want you to see it. Remember, they were arguing about, well, Paul baptized me. Well, Apollos baptized me. Well, I'm a disciple of Paul. Well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And then Paul was saying, you need to get back to being a disciple of Jesus. 
Right? But listen what the Bible says about Apollos. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man who was mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John at that time. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogues. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside. They explained to him the way of God more accurately, right? Specifically about Christ. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples that they should receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So about Apollos, the Bible says he was bold and eloquent and mighty in scriptures and vigorous and educated and fervent in spirit and he taught accurately and he knew that Christ was the Savior. I think the Corinthian church had solid teaching. <coughs> solid teaching. It wasn't a lack of teaching that was the problem. It was, it was the fact that they weren't living out what they were taught. Some of you are putting it together where I'm going. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. It's like you, you go to the mirror and you look and you begin to look closely and you realize that you have this cancerous spot on your face. And you look at it and you say, oh my gosh, I've got cancer on my face. And, and while you're looking at it, you begin to think, I've got to do something about this. I've got to get this fixed. I've got to get this cut out. I've got to take care of this. This could literally destroy me. And then as soon as you leave that mirror, you forget you have cancer. And so you don't cut it out. And you don't deal with it. And it spreads. And suddenly... It does just what you knew it would. It destroys. Guys, it's the same way when we sit in church and we hear a message and we say, I have got to get my life fixed up. I have got to get spiritually sound again. I have got to get to a place where I'm getting back with Christ. And you have every intention of doing it. And you walk out the church doors and you forget it. Amen. And you go right back to what you were doing. And then the next week you're a little weaker in the faith. And the next week you're a little weaker. And you get weaker. And you get weaker. Till eventually you find yourself sunk. Don't just be a hearer. Every message God sends to us, He intends for us to hear and respond by being a doer. The... the, the uh, I want to say these things and, and I hope you know how much I... I, I I'm not saying this because I think they're going to be super hard. I'm just saying it because I want you to know I love you. 
And I, I fall into these same traps that you fall into. The Corinthian church wasn't a victim of an ungodly culture. They were not victims of a cruel world. They had everything they needed to grow. They had the, they had the Spirit of God. They had good teachers and preachers and pastors. They, they had been, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, He said they'd been enriched in everything. They had all that they needed. They had everything they needed to be the Christians that God expected them to be. They were not victims. And I emphasize that to you because I think sometimes we tend to put ourselves in the category of a victim. Because it eases our burden. And it eases the conviction that we feel. And it makes us feel a little bit less responsible for our lack of growth. I've done it. I, I venture to say that somebody, maybe others in here have done it. Well, I, I would read my Bible and study more, but I just don't have time. As if someone came and stole it from you. As if somebody came in and, and, now, and, and now, now let me let me clarify. I do realize that there are things that do consume some of our time. We have to work. We have families. We have to take care of our children. We have these things and they do consume a part of our time. But, but we have to ask ourselves, and don't get mad, I have to ask myself too, are we organizing our time in such a way that we make the top priorities the priorities? Right? Let me, let me give you a, a, a thought process. When we say I don't have time to read and study, I'm not talking about having time to do extra biblical things. I'm not talking about having extra time to, to come to the, to the church and help clean. Those are, forget about all those things right now. I'm talking about spiritual foundational things. Prayer, study, uh, 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 attending the service to hear the, the preached Word of God, to, to participate in worship. Those foundational things. Right? So, so when we say we don't have time, that's a victim mentality. Right? That's a victim mentality. Because some of our time goes to things that aren't important. Amen. Right? Some of our time goes to things... I'm talking about me too this morning. We give away some of our time to our televisions. And we get very little profit from that. I do it. Some of you do it. We, we, we give away time to hobbies that really don't profit. We give away time to, to things like that or whatever you pick it. We're not, guys, we're not victims of a busy world. We're participators of a busy world. We're not victims of it. We're participators. Listen, I'll say this and, and I hope it sticks and maybe it cuts a little bit. It cut me when I, when I wrote it down. But... The, the issue is, is that Christ has shown us a better way, but we're afraid it won't be as fun. That's the real issue that we're dealing with this morning. So we play the victim, right? We, we, we can think differently. 
But don't let that don't let that make you mad. Let that wash over you for a minute, and know that I, I'm preaching that to you this morning because I love you and I want you to be close to Christ. Amen. Not because I'm mad at you for anything. I'm not. So the Corinthian church, they weren't thinking and behaving and walking the way the Spirit was calling them to. They had the Holy Spirit. They just weren't obeying Him. They had solid teaching. They just weren't following it. They were, now listen, this is the word, choosing to act and think and behave like the world. Guys, I, I pray we can realize this morning that every time we act and think and behave like the world, it's not because the world or the devil tricked us. It's not because God's Spirit failed us. It's not because we didn't know the truth. It's because we chose to act that way. Yeah. Right? That's hard, but it's reality this morning. We choose sometimes not to follow the truth. We're not victims. I'm talking about our ownership of our faith this morning. Christ is the owner of our faith, but we are to take ownership for our decisions. That's what Paul was saying in chapter 2. He was saying to them, you're not using your spiritual wisdom that God has given you. You're not being obedient to the Spirit. You're not listening to the voice of God. You have access to it, but you're not following it. You're not listening. Paul is saying, you, you think like the world, so of course you're going to act like the world. You're listening to the world, of course you're going to believe what they believe. You're not being godly. You're not being spiritual. You're not thinking in a spiritual way. Let me ask you another question this morning. How have you been thinking lately? Have you been spiritually minded? Have you been thinking with the mind of Christ that Paul talked about in chapter 2? He said, we have this mind, the mind of Christ. To test and to see whether or not you've been thinking godly things, right? You don't, you don't look at the words you say. You look at the behavior you demonstrate. The proof is never in the words. The proof is always in the, in the works. I'm sure that there were many in the Corinthian church who thought they were very spiritual. Who thought they were living very godly. But their actions and their behaviors and their attitudes and their divisions was telling a different story about them. What's the testimony of our actions? What, what's the testimony of our behaviors? What's the testimony of our attitude? Not the testimony of our mouth. I'm not interested in what we have to say this morning. I'm talking about the testimony of your Character, your fruit. Amen? Don't lose, don't, 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 don't lose sight of where we are this morning. Preaching like this makes us a little uncomfortable. Preaching like this makes us even at times a little bit angry. But Paul looked at the fruit 
of the Corinthian church. He examined their behavior, their actions, their attitude. He looked at those things. He saw them. He called them out. And I believe that's what a man of God's supposed to do. And he said, "Here, he said, I've kind of examined how things are going. I've taken a look at it. And here's what I've come to determine. You're still carnal. You're still worldly. That was not a word of encouragement. That was not a, 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 a positive or uplifting message. It was a sharp rebuke. But it had to be said because it was the truth. And Paul knew this. He knew that Jesus taught the truth shall make you free. The truth. After all those years of teaching and preaching and working in the Corinthian church between Paul and Apollos both, what they found was that the people there were still immature in faith. They were immature in Christ. They were thinking and acting like the world and that was the real problem. The problem was their eyes were not on Christ. Their hearts were not in Christ. Their eyes were on the world and their hearts were in the world. They were not growing in Christ. They were drifting backwards, if anything. Back into worldly thinking. Back into worldly philosophy. Back into worldly practice. And so he uses this analogy that you see in verse 2 and 3. Right when you look back in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 2 and 3. He uses this food analogy, milk and meat. And he said, when I was with you before, when you were new believers, I gave you milk. Right? I, 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 in other words, I kept things simple. I started with the basics. Right? I, I did that. And that was to be expected. Paul wasn't disappointed in doing that. They were new. There, there, there were quite a few things they didn't know or understand about their Christian faith. It, it's, it's like if you were going to uh, uh, coach a, a little kid's basketball team and it was their first year ever playing basketball. You don't get that little white board that all the coaches carry around and come out and huddle the kids around and draw a complex play and say, now go execute it. Right? You start with the basics. You teach them a little bit of the game and you say, let's work on dribbling, passing, and shooting. Foundation. Right? Foundational things. And so Paul said, I, I did those things. I, I, I began to teach you. I built a foundation. That's the milk Paul was talking about. You'll see it next week as we go on down. He said, Apollos came and built on that foundation. Let, let, let me show you something about this meal. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. If you, if, I'm going to read 11 through 14 but let me backtrack just a little bit with you in that scripture Hebrews uh, 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 chapter 5 the writer of Hebrews is wanting to tell them he's wanting to have a deep conversation with them about how Christ was a great high priest after the order of Melchizedek that's a little bit deeper than we're going to have a resurrection. Right? He's wanting to talk to them about the, the, the high priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek and how 
Even Jesus as a son had to learn obedience through suffering. And he's wanting to get down in the weeds a little bit. He's wanting to go with them. And as he starts to do that, he wants to say more about it. But then it's like he's hindered. And so he writes these words. Of whom I have much to say, it's hard to explain. Not because I don't understand it, but because you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, now this is the milk that Paul's talking about, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, they're not studied up. Right? Amen. For he is a babe. Same, same words that Paul's using. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Not physical age. Spiritual maturity. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see what he's saying there? He's saying when you should be able to teach others the truths of the Christian faith because you've been a Christian a while now, you can't because you're going backwards in your own understanding. And now I've got to come back and relay a foundation again. I've got to go back and start at the beginning again. When you should be eating meat and growing and giving others milk because you know that milk now, I have to come back and give you milk again, is what, is what the writer is saying. I believe a good sermon, and I don't always do a good job, and so I pray that I can be a better pastor and teacher and preacher this year, but a good sermon has some meat and some milk in every one. Because there's different people in different places in here this morning. Some of you don't understand all the doctrines of the Christian faith. And some of you understand them very well. And both have both come to be fed this morning. Right? So you've got to try to do a good job. And I can do better about that. And I'm, I'm going to work towards that end. But what's sad this morning, and this is what we need to hear today, it's so sad that there are Christians who have been Christians for a year or two years or three years or five years or ten years or however many years and they aren't really growing. They're not really growing. I mean, ask yourself, how much have I grown in the past three months? What if I was to pull you aside after church and I'd say, you know what? Let's take, a, let's take a, a, a brief look at your life the past three months. Tell me what you've learned about God that you didn't know in the past three months. What things would you tell me? What, what, what things, if I said, tell me what you've been studying about God. Have you been studying about His, you know, the, the, the doctrine of salvation? Have you been studying about the, the, the doctrine of sovereignty, of providence, of all these things? Have you been digging into the Word about how to, how to live your Christian life the way that God calls you to, about holiness and sanctification? Have you been studying those things? What would you say you've learned in the past three months on your own? 
Now, maybe some of you can put the blame on the old pastor. And I own some of it. But the majority of it we have to put on ourselves. Here's the truth, right? The, the, the Christian life is more than, it goes beyond, and this is important to hear this morning. So please hear this part. Being a Christian goes beyond emotion. Being a Christian goes beyond experience. I felt something. It goes beyond feeling. Being a Christian actually requires you to learn and grow. Amen. Like you don't just... I, what, what I'm trying to say is, is God's intention for a Christian is not just to be saved and then just to sit stagnant. It is to grow. That's why the Bible commands us to grow in grace and knowledge. That's not a suggestion from God. It's a commandment from God. Grow in grace and knowledge. We've got far too many Christians in, in our churches today who are absolutely biblically illiterate. Amen? I'm not trying to insult anybody. But if you sit down to have a, a real conversation with them about the Scriptures, they can't because they don't know them. They don't know them. They're living week to week by the sermon that was given and whatever the verse of the day is on their Bible app or on their radio station. They're not putting effort into learning about Christ and the doctrines of God. They're not studying to show themselves approved. People, Christians that need not to be ashamed who can rightly explain and divide the word of truth. And, and, and if that's anybody in here today, and it may not be, maybe, maybe it's for somebody else down the road that will hear the message, but if it's anybody in here today, you need to change. <coughs> You've got to repent of a lazy attitude towards the faith. Amen? You've got to repent of that and, and put your understanding of God in the right priority. Make it a top priority in your life to know God better. I'll, I'll make some folks upset right here with this one. So I'm, I'm prefacing that that if you get upset with me, it's not intentional, but I feel that it probably will happen. But, but, We've got men, and, and, and let me say it right up front, men who love God and have the best of intentions. And I know that because I was one of them for years. Years. But we've got men right here in our area that get up and preach on Sunday morning that don't really understand the basic doctrines of Scripture. I, I'm sorry to say that. But as churches, what we've done over the years is we've said as long as they're loud, as long as they sweat, 
As long as they throw in some good stories or a good joke, as long as they get excited and jump up and down and hit the pulpits with their fists, we have churches full of people who say, Wow, what a service we had. Wow. Man, the Spirit came down today. And then you say, Oh my goodness, tell me about it. What, what did you learn in that sermon? They have no idea. No idea. They can't tell you one thing the man preached. They, they, as a matter of fact, if you catch them a few hours after the service, they can't even remember the Scripture that the man read from. Is that true? Because they got to see somebody emotional and it made them feel emotional, they said, man, the Spirit was moving. Guys, there's more to Christianity and more to a good church service than emotions. They don't, it don't have to be void of emotions. It doesn't have to be void of it. Why, they can get up and shout and spit and scream. I've done that myself many times. And it'd be absolutely spiritual. But if it's not accurate with the Word of God, I don't want to hear men get up and tell stories about their life or tell me what they learned from daddy and grandpa. I want people to get up and tell me what they learned from the Scripture, from the Bible, from the Spirit of God. Our growth in godliness is, is hindered when we remain carnal in our thinking and behavior. And part of being a Christian is becoming crucified to the world. Are you crucified to the world? How much of your time is spent seeking to know more about God Versus chasing some worldly treasure or entertainment. Amen. Simple questions today. Hard questions. But easy to answer. Just think about it while I try to finish this message up. What does Paul do? Does Paul say, forget it? Nope. He doesn't do that. He calls it out. He addresses it. He doesn't pretend like it doesn't exist. But then... He goes on to explain it again. He looks at the example that they've given him with the division around and he says, guys, listen. Paula, Apollos and I are just co-laborers. If you go back and look at those scriptures again, he said, I came and, I came and planted and Apollos came and watered. And we're laborers together. But it was God who did the work. He says, you're divided between me and Apollos. But Apollos and I are not divided. We both know that it's God who's doing the work in the church. And so he takes them back to that truth and he tries to help them solve the division so that they can go on from division. Because here's the truth. As long as you're focused on the problem, you'll never, never, never buy into the solution. As long as all you do is sit around and analyze the problem and talk about the problem and say, well, we just got problems. We have got some problems. I mean, tell you what, read up the problem. Problem, problem, problem. And you don't start looking at the solution. And Paul says, let's get to the solution of it. 
Apollos and I are in agreement. Neither one of us are that important. But Christ is. So he's trying to solve the problem so that they can go on. He said what's important is for you to start growing in Christ and to let go of the world. So here's what I hope you've learned so far in Corinthians. That we've got to get our eyes and our hearts back on Jesus. Christ alone, nothing more. Nothing less. We've got full access to the spiritual wisdom through the Spirit of the living God that He's given to us when we were born again. And if we're struggling, we can ask and He'll help us understand. And then I hope you understand this from today's message. That as believers, we've got a commandment, an obligation, a responsibility to grow in Christ. To grow and to come out of the world and more into Christ than we've ever been. Amen? Let me close with this. I, I, I believe that as Christians we've been given a mission. We've been given a goal. We are to learn about God. Amen. We are to grow in that knowledge so that we can more effectively tell others about our God. I want you to... Now, you're, there's always going to be things that are tough. And we're never going to come to fullness of knowledge. So don't be discouraged. But at the same time, some of us should be farther along than what we are. Amen? Amen? Me included. I'm the chief. I'm chief. So you've got to ask yourself, how are you doing today in that mission? Let's stand to our feet. Not trying to work you up emotionally this morning. Not trying to, not trying to say anything that uh, would, would stir your heart one way or the other. Simply going to ask you this. As you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes to give people a little freedom and, uh, uh, to not feel so, so burdened. Maybe you're here today and you think, I, I could use a little time at the altar this morning. I've been a little, I've been a little bit distracted and my growth's been a little bit stunted. And I could use a little, a, a little work. I could use God to work in me a little bit this morning. It's not to condemn you. It's to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're a Christian, but you haven't been living like it. You've really been going backwards instead of forwards. And right now in your heart, you know it. And maybe you just want to come and say, God, forgive me for that and help me. Help me to start fresh. Help me to get my feet back on the path. Here's the good thing about God. You may be a prodigal today. You may have run from the truth of God and you may have tried to run from your faith, but God stands ready to welcome you home with open arms. Is that anybody today?
You say, I just really want to. It, you're not saying anything to our church. It's not, it's not about Pound River Church this morning. You're just coming to God and saying, God, I've been distant from you. Forgive me. I want to get closer. And then let me say this lastly before we join them in prayer. You might be here this morning. You might be here. And you might be saying, I don't even know the Lord. I'm not a Christian. I'm an unbeliever. But I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know this God and His Son. And if that's you, you can come to this altar and you can simply pray and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you mean it in your heart, God will give you new life. I pray you'll consider those things as we join together with these in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for this day you've given us, God, for the truth of your word, God, that speaks to us right where we are. <clears throat> right where I am, God, those words that you are still carnal ring in my ears, God. I waste time sometimes on things that have no value eternally. Would you forgive me, Lord? And help me, God, to refocus that I might learn and grow, that I might be a more effective pastor to this church, God. That I might be able to speak and teach in a better way. And God, maybe that I might be able to learn and grow so that I could be a better witness in my workplace to those around me, God. That my light might shine brighter as they see my love for you, that they'll be convicted of their lack of love for you. God, help me, I pray. Forgive me for failures, God. Help our church to stay united together in you, God, and in the mission you've given us, God. Help our church to be a beacon, to be a light in our community, God. Help it to be a place where people can come and know they're loved, but where they can come and also know that they're going to grow. God, we desperately need your spirit to guide our lives. And I have no doubt today, God, that for every born-again believer, they had your spirit. God, we need to obey. We need to heed. Help us to hear what the Spirit says to each one of us today. And help us to respond accordingly. We pray it in Jesus' name. We give thanks for it all. Amen. Please know that you're loved. We love you. We thank God for you. Come back and visit with us again. Have a great week.